Dr. Hashem Kuhi coming to us from Oxford. His talk is going to be towards decoding the principles of antigen-specific T-cell response in time and space. Just a little bit about Dr. Kuhi. His current position is Professor of Systems Immunology, uh, MRC Human Immunology uh, Unit at Oxford University. He's also the program leader in MRC Human Immunology Unit. His research theme is taking multidisciplinary approaches at the interface of immunology and data science in order to decipher the rules underpinning T-cells interaction with uh, target antigens. He was educated at Warwick University. He was a postdoc at the Sanger Institute in Cambridge. Um, he also was a postdoc at the Babraham Institute in Cambridge. And um, other professional roles and contributions are the Aaron, Alan Turing Fellow, uh, member of the advisory board for the F1000 Research and Applications of AI and Health Gateway, associate editor of Frontiers in Immunology, and a member of the editorial uh, board of Immunoinformatics. Welcome, uh, Dr. Kuhi. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. Um, so, what are we um, what are we diving in here uh, into here today? Uh, yes, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, thank you again uh, for the invitation, and it's really a pleasure to be here and to share with you some of ongoing works in uh, our group. And because majority of what uh, I'll be telling you are under revision, I'll be very keen to hear your uh, opinions and uh, thoughts about that. And I would like to start by apologizing because uh, perhaps the title you see right now is a slightly different from what you saw in, in, in the flyer. And the reason for this is that I thought if I put it in the context of what's going on in our group, then the whole thing will make more sense. So, the, But I'll promise to cover enough of uh, what uh, you saw in the flyer. So we all we all know that basically T cell interaction with uh, pathogens is really at the core of a number of serious human diseases, and because of that, uh, it has basically attracted a great deal of attention both in experimental scientists and also in computational community. In experimental side, if you have a um, a, a given antigen or actually a multiplex pool of uh, antigens and HLA molecules, it's these days it's fairly easy to pick up a, a single cell technology to uh, basically profile for uh, target TCRs. And in addition, you can get uh, transcriptomic, proteomic, and even epigenetic of that. But the issue, the pressing issue here among other problems is that this type of technologies really work with those uh, known antigens. And most of the time, the prime suspect is an unknown antigen. And therefore, for those or for those situations, we cannot use this type of technologies. On the other hand, if we have a T cell or T cell receptor of interest, then we can use one of these uh, so-called uh, combinatorial yeast display libra libraries to basically scan this TCR versus literally billions of uh, peptide MHC complexes. And at the end of the day, we will be left with a pool of a handful of basically uh, targets for that given TCRs that then we can actually take some uh, additional computational approaches to learn the pattern of uh, T cell cross reactivity and uh, identify future targets for that T cell. But the problem here is that we end up doing one TCR at a time, and these technologies are not as scalable to single cell technologies as they are now. 
And in the computational side, if you have uh, some uh, uh, label TCRs, TCRs with known antigens, you can pick up one of these uh, basically uh, supervised predictive models, try to predict what peptide MHC complexes they are likely to recognize. If you have uh, orphan TCRs, on the other hand, you can again go for unsupervised clustering. And the idea here is to basically cluster TCRs based on their uh, so-called common specificity and then uh, learn the, uh, the, the sequence footprint of each of these common specificity groups in order to uh, predict future uh, members of each of these groups here. But the problem again here is that for, for, for instance, for supervised uh, uh, clustering models, we and others have shown that at least for those TCRs with unknown antigens, they do not really do much a better job uh, compared to a simple, say, Hamming distance that you will be comparing to uh, uh, sequences based on the number of amino acids that they differ. And for predictive models, if we want to apply them for unseen um, antigens, as it has been shown in this uh, preprint, they are not actually getting much better than random predictions. And therefore, this whole thing suggests that we, there is actually a big gap in the field. And this is basically uh, uh, where we uh, work uh, on this topic. And if we look for the roots of the problem, most of the time in textbooks, the diversity at immune repertoire or at the level of peptide MHC complexes are uh, basically highlighted as key uh, factors of this complexity. But I would like to think that actually this uh, diversity is the symptom, is not the disease. The real problem is that T-cell interaction with pathogens are really uh, fuzzy, it's very sloppy, and there are quite a lot of uh, you know things going on. Two key components are T-cell cross-reactivity and common specificity, and these actually root back in timeless positive and negative selection, and therefore, if we want to really understand this uh, interaction, we have to study these two key, com uh, key, two key components in parallel. And in addition, we have to put it in the context and leverage other information that we get these days from single cell technologies in order to make a better sense of it. And for today, I'll be mainly focusing on T-cell cross-reactivity. And if we just pick up as one example, targets of um, for, for a cross-reactive T-cell and look into their uh, sequence footprint, we see that in addition to anchor position, in TCR contact position, we see very conserved motifs. Um, if actually we put uh, uh, targets for a bunch of TCRs, target peptides for a bunch of TCRs in, into a clustering algorithm, we see that they actually cluster fairly well based on the TCRs. And that by itself suggests that if we have enough data of these uh, T-cell sequences and their target peptides, it would be possible to link these two with each other. But the problem is that we don't have that much, that, uh, much data of this uh, characteristic. And therefore, we need to generalize our assumption a little bit and go beyond uh, cross-reactivity and look into features of peptide immunogenicity. So here we don't care which um, TCR. Hashem, yeah. can I interrupt you for one second? We just have a, a question in the chat. Yeah. The question is, is this all for class one MHC? 
Yeah, the mainly I'll be focusing on class one on CDA T cell. Yes, that's a very good question. Yeah, sorry. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. So here uh, by immunogenic, I refer to those peptides that, you know, based on one of those um, uh, functional assays have been labeled to have uh, basically target for a T cell response. And if we look at TCR contact positions of these uh, peptides, again, we see that there are some peptides which are enriched in TCR contact position of immunogenic peptides, whereas we see some of them are depleted. And signals like that has attracted the community to develop models to predict immunogenic peptides or targets for CD8 T cells. And uh, at the beginning of pandemic, we were keen basically, actually before pandemic, we were keen to use those uh, models to predict uh, new epitopes for cancer. But upon emergence of SARS-CoV-2, we were also keen to use them to predict uh, targets for, for from uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, protein sequences. And we realized that actually they do not do much better than uh, random predictions. And for cancer is a slightly better, but it still is far from perfect. And then we decided to look into the roots of these uh, problems. The very first one is that uh, we realized that the correlates of immunogenicity is not universal among cancer neoepitopes and viral peptides. Uh, the second one is something that we have uh, labeled as HLA bias or uh, inappropriate integration of cross HLA variation. And what I mean by that, if you look in as just one example, if you look into the distribution of positive and negative among these HLAs, you see that positive uh, are mainly dominated in HLA-A201 and the negatives one are basically dominated in, in the rest for which we have enough uh, number of peptides. And by seeing this, it's not very you know, unusual to assume that perhaps this model will be picking up HLA instead of uh, predicting immunogenicity. And in fact, when we tested this, we realize that actually this is true. And this is not just specific to this example. If we are not careful, we all know that all uh, uh, peptides that are presented by various HLAs, they have very conserved motifs at their HLA contact positions that can be seen here or from the full length peptides can be seen here. And also we previously shown the same in the cell peptides. And therefore, if we are not careful, then models will end up picking up this conserved per HLA signals and not predicting the peptide immunogenicity. And the third issue is something that Chloe, who developed this her model, uh, labeled as out of distribution problem. And what we mean by that is that, so if we put all the peptides in one bag and just randomly shuffle them, pick 90% as a train and the rest 10% as a test, and then look at the sequence, uh, sequence footprint at TCR contact position, we see fairly similar pattern here. However, if we put everything non-SARS-CoV-2 as a train and use SARS-CoV-2 as a test, and then look at the sequence, sequence footprint, we see a fairly distinct pattern here. And that is not a specific to SARS-CoV-2. We also see for other uh, viruses that we have enough data. And for that reason, if we take a 
huge fold, tenfold cross-validation, the model picks up fairly well, but if we go a virus, then they actually uh, fail uh, accurate prediction. So Chloe decided to address these issues and some other issues that I don't actually explain here because of the time, and she developed a model, and then she investigated its application for predicting cancer neoantigens and also uh, viral uh, epitopes. So what is novel about her model? Firstly, she basically utilizes transfer learning at the embedding stage. This is uh, one thing that is fairly distinct. And uh, the second one is that the model has two cool, uh, key components. The first component takes an HLA uh, agonistic uh, approach to deal with HLA bias. And because of this, this model actually uh, works better for uh, in data sets where we have imbalances of immunogenic uh, across different HLA types. And we all know that a T cell response is very HLA restricted. Therefore, we have this second component here that take actually care of, of this. And also here she introduces a model to take care of out of distribution. And TRAP is also very flexible in a sense that the user can get some high confidence prediction that are you know, good enough to go ahead and do some experiments if you want to. And for low confidence, then depending on your predicting cancer, your epitopes of pathogenic, you can take different strategies. And there is another novel uh, modular strategy here. This is a, a relative similarity to autoantigen and tumor-associated antigens. And here, you can think of this as an analog to, you know, in cancer, we have wild type and mutant that most of the time they differ one amino acid with each other but when it comes to viral peptides it's difficult to basically find the the human counterpart of that and she uses this uh, model to take care of that and then she basically uh, uh, checks uh, model performance based on different transfer transfer learning uh, approaches or different architectures and see fairly reasonable uh, performance. And she applies uh, the model on predicting cancer neoepitopes from uh, in-house uh, GBM uh, patients, the data that we have from GBM patients. Uh, using the default parameter and then applying some of the new modules that she has implemented in, in, the, in the model and increases the uh, prediction, uh, accuracy of the prediction. But I would like to actually take a little bit more time to uh, explain the second application, which is basically in, in a companion uh, manuscript, uh, which is under revision. And here we have been investigating the impact of mutation on CDA T cell target on T cell response. So here the story or the assumption is that we have this wild type from Wuhan. We have collected all those uh, peptides. And there are two scenarios. One, that in Omicron, they are not mutated. They remain as the same. And the second is that those are mutated in subvariants of Omicron. And then for this category, for this mutated, we have three possibilities. Uh, both uh, uh, wild type and mutant are presented by a given HLA. Wild type is presented by HLA, mutant is not, and the other way around. And then this is implemented into a mathematical model that has two key components. One A is basically the probability of presentation by uh, HLA. And the second is T-cell recognition potential that we get from, from TRAP. 
And then once we do some exploratory analysis to make sure that we are in the right direction, then we take an additional uh, mutagenesis simulation to create a, you know, a combinatorial space of all possible mutations for each of these uh, peptides at each position for each uh, possible amino acid. And then we implement a kind of a clustering to kind of reflect the different um, escape trajectories or different uh, uh, escape routes at each position. So just a few exploratory figures to make sure that we are in the right direction. As we look into the uh, presentation score, we see that there is a slightly impairment in Omicron compared to Wuhan. Uh, but if we actually uh, break down into uh, super HLA types, we see that the most deleteriously impacted is uh, those uh, spike drive uh, peptides uh, at uh, a BO7 super type. And among these, we see these uh, peptides that they have, they have this uh, so-called, uh, basically this uh, peptide, which is in actually, you know, this, uh, a controversial super antigen they, uh, uh, peptide. So I, I don't have actually uh, anything to do with that. But what I'm saying here is that this is basically uh, the peptide that overlaps this motif here. And the point here is that we see uh, two HLA uh, types, both from uh, HLA BO7 super type are the most uh, uh, basically impaired ones compared to Wuhan. And if we look into other peptide MHC complexes com that contain this uh, peptide, we have altogether 15 of them and nine of them are actually uncoupled uh, compared to Wuhan, meaning that actually T cell response uh, is left for this, this uh, few HLA types uh, among these uh, uh, complexes. And in fact, we see uh, about nine of uh, Wuhan peptides upon uh, Omicron, they become completely invisible to, to, to the uh, T cells, CDA T cells. And then we start looking into TRAP. First, make sure that TRAP picks up uh, Wuhan uh, CDA T cell targets, which is also reflected here. And then look at the final uh, immunogenicity score. We see a slight difference, a slightly you know uh, lower immunogenicity, and uh, which is consistent with what uh, other people are talking. And actually, is better reflected here, kind of similar immunogenicity. However, we have a few peptides from Wuhan that have been basically uh, affected upon uh, mutation in Omicron. And then in, in mutagenesis, because of the time, I'll actually uh, just skip that slide. So what we see here uh, basically is that when we look into the uh, combinatorial space, we see either removing or imputing amino acids based on their physical chemical properties actually uh, is, uh, is um, affecting the immunogenicity scores. So if you uh, remove then you lose immunogenicity. If you impute uh, hydrophobic or polar amino acid, you increase the immunogenicity. These are at just amino acid levels. If you also take the uh, peptide position into account, then you see a more clearer picture. However, perhaps the most interesting uh, pattern is seen here. This in 
x-axis you see Wuhan uh, CD8 T-cell target from functional um, uh, assays. And in y-axis, we look into either T-cell recognition uh, potential or equally you can think of T-cell escape potential because these two mirror each other. And we see a very you know, dynamic pattern. However, three uh, categories here can be highlighted. Those that upon mutation or in, the, in this space, they have enhanced immunogenicity overall. The other ones are these that impaired immunogenicity and some they have uh, tolerant to the mutation. And in a sense, the way we would like to think about that is that upon mutation, these are more secure for T-cell response and these guys here will be actually potential for uh, T-cell uh, escape, T-cell immunity escape. And uh, if we look at actually what is contributing to this pattern, what we see is that again, the fraction of hydrophobicity in the wild type is actually one contributing factor. And also the number of HLAs presenting each of these peptide is another a contributing factor. And just for the last two slides, two or three slides, I'll show you a, a couple of specific examples to uh, you know, help in making sense of what I was uh, arguing here. So if we look at this specific mutation here in wild type and in the uh, uh, Omicron, uh, here we have 10 clusters, each reflecting basically uh, escape potential at a specific position. And the red or yellowish is actually kind of reflective of that the mutations are more immunogenic or in a sense that the escape route is closed because you know the, the mutation will be immunogenic. But the bluish will be kind of reflective of this is actually an open escape potential. This particular uh, um, uh, peptide actually has a mutation at uh, position seven. And another thing to notice that here you see that the majority of routes are closed, immunogenic, and therefore this is among those enhanced that I showed you in previous figure. And also this controversial peptide is basically pretty much all uh, uh, routes are closed, but the route two is open. And interestingly, the virus has given actually rise to a mutation at uh, uh, this uh, trajectory or this route. Whether that is a random or it's under T-cell pressure, we don't know because one out of nine chances that you know this mutation to take place here. And the third is among those uh, that we had impaired uh, immune response. And you see that majority of roots are open. They are blue, non-immunogenic. But uh, what we see here, the virus has given rise at uh, position seven or at cluster seven. And among this cluster is actually this one here, which is one of the most deleterious uh, mutation uh, that uh, can actually happen at this position. And basically, uh, if I want to wrap up here is that uh, we believe that there is a, a knowledge gap in basically understanding T-cell interaction with uh, pathogens. And towards this, we developed a trap to basically help us identify CDA T-cell targets. And we have used trap in two different uh, contexts for cancer and for uh, predicting CDA T-cell targets and the impact of mutation on uh, T-cell response. And I'll be happy to take uh, any question.
Thank you very much. Yeah, I this is a, a very interesting approach that you guys have developed. I wonder if you might comment on how TRAP might be used in context of autoimmune diseases like type 1 diabetes. I know we spoke <laughs> yeah, about that's you said that's not your specialty, but when we talk about when we're looking at <laughs> that tool, it looks, yeah. you know, there, there's, you know, the whole idea is, you know, the beta cell, is the beta cell um, undergoing suicide or, um, you know, murder, right? In the, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the pancreas. So if it's, you know, if it's contributing to its own demise, perhaps it is, you know, uh, you know, sending up this uh, uh, HLA, uh, MHC1, sorry. And so maybe then this might um, be applicable, correct? Yes, that is true. However, I should admit that actually uh, in, in the context of autoimmune diseases, it's more complex because at the end of the day, you will be basically trying to uh, find uh, some uh, CD8 T cell targets from uh, cell protein, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is not something that we have uh, directly implemented or considered in this uh, model. And actually, in one or two cases that we have come across, for instance, in auto-inflammatory diseases, we took a completely different approach. And what we did, basically, we started with uh, uh, some uh, uh, TCR that we detected them in inflamed tissue, and we could see uh, some, basically, clonal expansion and some uh, pro-inflammatory uh, signatures. And then we basically use that uh, yeast combinatorial uh, approach that I showed at the beginning to basically profile all the possible targets for the given TCRs. And then once we have a pool of uh, targets for that given TCR, then we can actually take that as an input for a machine learning or computational tool to scan the whole uh, human protein sequences and find out uh, additional uh, cross-reactive targets for that given T TCR. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting. Do you know anyone in uh, that's currently using this kind of approach in context of autoimmunity outside your uh, Yeah, we haven't, you know, as... Uh, use as such, uh, you know, because it will be a little bit difficult, as uh, I, I said, and, you know, not considering um, right. you just sort the of underlying around. immunology in, in the model development. So I would say that, you know, just directly uh, uh, picking up uh, either other model or, uh, you know, a similar model. Uh, however, uh, basically, it will be good to have a conversation with uh, Chloe. And Chloe developed this um, R a SAT uh, module here. And when she was developing this module, she was basically spending quite a lot of time on understanding uh, response uh, to self-antigens by uh, looking, uh, so this is this module here, uh, by basically uh, comparing this to those self-peptides that are uh, presented in thymus, I believe, as a control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, I think um, yeah, I need to either ask her or you know, or perhaps we should ask the directly uh, from Chloe to see what she thinks about that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe she's going to be the next guest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Future guest. 
Um, Thank you. It is it is a very interesting system, and it's you know obviously has loads of complexity, but um, it is it's really cool how you used the um, SARS CoV two to dice to really kind of um, test, I guess, the model. Yeah, it's it's you know it's still uh, you know I I I would admit that it's uh, you know, far from uh, perfect uh, and. Uh, you know, uh, honestly speaking, if we see a model claiming that this model can predict uh, immunogenic peptide with very high accuracy, 90% or above, then, uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, buy it easily because, you know, I have seen the complexity behind this process. But in this model, what we tried to do uh, was to basically uh, tailor it with some uh, real immunological, basically, foundation for, for, for that to make it, you know, immunologically make sense. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to Dr. Kui uh, if you have further questions. You can um, connect with him at, uh, uh, I, I believe, let's see, at Oxford. You could read this, you know, paper and find him in his, find him in the in the rolling credits or um, probably at uh, via LinkedIn. So, uh, thank you again, Dr. Kui, for sharing these data with us. It was really fascinating and I uh, wish you all the best. And not a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'll thank you all. Thank you for invitation. And you're absolutely right. I'll be delighted to basically discuss um, any question you might have or any actually suggestion or, you know, any comments that you might have. So please feel free to uh, reach out either myself or any uh, group member, Chloe in particular, who developed this model. Fantastic. Thank you again. Have a great rest of your evening. Not a problem, you too.